Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The light only goes off when you want to read something. There, there we go. <laughs> um, I'm going to I'm going to focus on the Old Testament reading this morning. Just uh, if if you're not familiar with the, some of the customs, uh, you see the rose-colored candle and the rose-colored vestments. It's Gaudete Sunday. Uh, it, it's from uh, the uh, the introit, the little verse from the Psalms that is sung at the beginning of the service. Uh, Rejoice. This is, a, this is a Sunday where we've been focusing on very sober and solemn themes, on the last things, on the final judgment, the coming the end of the Lord in glory to judge both the quick and the dead. Um, but uh, the, joy of, the joy of Christmas is beginning to break through, and so it's a little a Sunday when traditionally there's a little bit of a relaxation in some of the disciplines, and so cause for an extra feast today. The Old Testament, this is a very important Old Testament reading. You, you will recognize it. The reading from Isaiah. In the Gospel of Luke, Luke tells the story of the birth of Jesus. And uh, we don't hear much about Jesus. Uh, he comes of age. He's baptized in the River Jordan by John. We're hearing about that the last two weeks. Immediately the Spirit drives him out into the wilderness. He's tempted by Satan. He overcomes the temptations. All the temptations that, that Adam and Eve failed, he overcome. It's interesting that he does it by quoting scripture. And then he begins his ministry. And immediately, there's a buzz about it. And Luke says, uh, he, he, as was his custom, custom of Jesus to go weekly to worship. That was his custom. I recommend it. It's a good custom. I'm preaching to the choir. It's a good custom. He went, as was his custom. And if you were a bar mitzvah Jewish male, you could be called upon, in fact, you would expect to be called upon, to take your turn, just as, as we have people, uh, men and women, take turns reading the uh, scriptures on Sunday morning. You could be called upon uh, to read a scripture. And uh, uh, they would do it on the spot. And so here's, here's this rabbi, and there's a buzz about him, so let's have him read a scripture. And so they give him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Now, that, that's a big scroll. There's a lot in Isaiah. It's one of the big books of the Bible. He picks this portion. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And the word for anointing here is uh, the word we get Christ from. It's a, meshach, it's a messianic uh, uh, term. So there's, there there. Three ways in which we need to read this piece of scripture. We need to read it as it was given originally to the people of Israel. Understand what was the context there. God gave the prophet a word. Why did, why did God give the prophet that word for those people at that time? We need to understand that. We need to understand how Jesus is claiming this word for himself. as applying to him and to his people and his people. And then because every, every, every word of God that is addressed through the prophets to the old Israel is addressed to us as the new Israel. Because as St. Paul says, we've been through in, in and through Jesus Christ like a wild olive shoot. We've been grafted into the vine of Israel. So all the words that apply to Israel apply to us. And how so? So we want to read this scripture in that way. 
Now, here's the background of the scripture. God, uh, about 800 years before the birth of Christ, God raises up the prophets. And it's a remarkable literature. You'll search the world's religious literature, you'll find nothing like the prophets of Israel. And the, and, the, and, the, and the prophets remind the people of Israel, they remind God's people, the Hebrew people, they remind them of their special relationship with God. They are God's special people. He's rescued them from slavery. He's rescued them from death. He's brought them into freedom and life. He's given them a holy and a righteous way of life. They are to so live towards God and to live towards each other. Practice justice, which means to have a right relationship with God and a right relationship with each other. They're to do that in such a way that they become a city set upon a hill. They become a light to the nations. Their way of life is so inherently attractive that people are drawn to it. People who have dwelt in darkness have seen a great light. And the great light is God's people living in the way that God has called them to live. Uh, claiming the original human vocation, which is to return to God perfect praise adoration and worship and perfect love to each other. The prophets recall them to that vocation. They remind them that uh, when they were given the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words of Life, Moses said, here's what God says, today I put before you life and death. You're, you're choosing death. You know, God says through Moses, therefore choose life. You're choosing death. Instead of choosing to worship the one true and living God, you're choosing to worship the idols. The worship of the idols always leads to gross personal immorality and gross social injustice. It's a packaged deal. You know who God is. The nations have an excuse. They don't know who God is. Your purpose is to, is to be witness to who God is so that they will know who God is so that they might also be restored to uh, the true human life, to be saved, to be redeemed, to be recreated, to be consecrated and sanctified. You keep on going the way you're going, the prophets say, and God will remove his protection from you, and the, and the, and the empires of the, of the day will rise up against you, and uh, they will be God's in visiting God's judgment upon you. They don't listen. Occasionally they do, but for the most part they don't listen. They were hard of hearing. I don't know, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm hard of hearing. I'm hard of hearing. The great southern novelist, Christian novelist, Wannery O'Connor, was asked why her stories were so bizarre. She said, with the deaf you have to shout. So they don't listen, and everything that the prophets have said would happen, happens. And so first the Assyrians conquer them. There's a little remnant left in the south. Then come the Babylonians, and they, they devastate them. They, they knock down the walls of Jerusalem. They burn the temple. And they carry almost all the people off uh, into exile in Babylon. Now, Jeremiah has said, this is what, you know, at the time that they're being besieged by, by Nebuchadnezzar, the king is asking uh, Jeremiah the prophet, give us a word of encouragement. He said, the word of encouragement is this. You're going to be conquered. You're going to be taken into exile. But God will relent. He's going to give you a second chance. In 70 years, the city will be rebuilt. The temple will be rebuilt. And, and the people will be rebuilt. They'll be, they'll be restored. They'll be redeemed. They'll be reconsecrated. They will be a holy people. They'll be a king of priests. They will be a true light to the nations. 
70 years. Well, about 40 years, 40, 50 years, after they're taken into, into, into exile, God raises up Cyrus. He defeats the Babylonians, and Cyrus gives an edict that allows the Jews to go home. We heard about that last week. Make a highway in the desert. They go home. And now, this scripture we have today is about the year 520, and it's about the same time as the prophets Haggai and Malachi and Zechariah are prophesied. It's really the end of the Old Testament where we are today. And they've been back now, and they've been back for decades. And the city is being rebuilt after a fashion. And the temple is, they started it. They started it. And then they kind of forgot about it. And uh, the moral renewal, the spiritual renewal, the renewal of holiness, not going so well. And God is giving a word to a prophet, and the prophet is saying, you, you are squandering your second chance. You've been unfaithful, but I'm faithful. I'm going to send my anointed one. And when my anointed one comes, he's going to speak a word of mercy. And he's going to, he's going to stir up the people. And there's going to be a great renewal and a great regeneration um, and a great resurgence of holiness. There's going to be, uh, people are going to turn away from their unrighteousness. And, and this word in the Bible, righteousness, always has to do simultaneously with the relationship with each other and the relationship with God. It's going to be renewed. It's going to be renewed. And when this one comes, this anointed one comes, People are grieving because things are going so poorly. They're hindered by their sins, as this colleague says today. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come mightily amongst us because we're so hindered by our sins. They're hindered by their sins. There's one who's coming, he's anointed. And he's going to, he's going to, he's going to, it's going to be God's power coming amongst them, stirring them up. And they're going to be renewed. They're going to be renewed. Instead of grieving and mourning over the, 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 the contrast between the, the promise and the starry, sorry state of affairs, of the rejoicing. Instead of, instead of um, uh, a kind of lackluster spirit, there's going to be this re- restoration to this to this overflowing joy and, and uh, exuberance of recognition of God and return to God of his glory, power, and majesty. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former de- devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities. Well, the prophet is talking about Jerusalem in that, in that, in that day. Now, they'd asked the prophet Zechariah, this, this rebuilding, this renewal, this redemption, this recreation, when's it going to come? Because it doesn't, it's like it's long delayed. It doesn't appear, it doesn't look like it's coming. And Zechariah says, when are you going to listen to God? So the promise is given. The promise 
is tantalizing. And the people are still thinking, how long? And then Jesus comes into the synagogue and he says, behold. God promised to send him. God promised to send him. He has. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And the people will be renewed in and through me. And they'll be called oaks of righteousness. This is an incredible uh, image of, of strength and power. Uh, this, uh, you know, standing uh, rooted in God's word, absolutely upright in the relationship with God and the relationship with each other. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the, rumor, the ruined cities. Well, all of that does come through in and through Jesus Christ. Jerusalem is destroyed. But the whole ancient world was rebuilt through Jesus Christ. And now you know, this word comes to us. And, and what, what, you know, where are we? And uh, it's, hard, it's hard to say it, but I don't think you can avoid saying it, that our cities are in ruins. And some of the great institutions in our country are in ruins. Now, we're not Israel, and, you know, the, the, the state, the United States is, is not the church, but yet we're, we're a people who are rooted in the vision of the Bible. Uh, our way of life is rooted in the vision of the Bible. And we're undergoing a great experiment now to see whether we can have the, the, the blossoms without the roots. And our cities are ruined. And there's a great deal of repair and renewal and rebuilding that needs to be done. Much of it very practical. You know, rebuilding of schools, rebuilding of neighborhoods, rebuilding of torn and, and, um, torn and battered relationships. But there will be no rebuilding that will last. And this was true in the Bible as well. In the, in the days of Zechariah and Malachi and Haggai. In the days of Jesus Christ, this was true as well. There'll be no lasting renewal. There'll be no lasting rebuilding. That isn't a spiritual and a moral. And uh, a, a turn again to God. God is promising that he's going to send his one. He has sent him who will do these things. He is doing these things. He is doing them in and through us. He has done them in and through his people throughout history. And we, like them, sometimes lose that plot and lose that vocation. And we hear again this gracious word of the Lord, you've been unfaithful, but I'm faithful. I will not desert you. I'll come to you again and again and again to redeem you, recreate you, and make you the people that I call you to be so that you will be oaks of righteousness, so that you rebuild the devastated ruins. I, I, um, I, 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 as a sometime academic, I very much grieve over what's going on in great universities in our country right now and the prevalence of hate on these campuses. And uh, there's a place for Christian universities and a place for secular universities, but there's a great place for people who um, have... Uh, love of God and love of neighbor in their hearts to go and, and build up again things that have been devastated. And we're called, and God will make it so 
in and through Jesus Christ our Lord, that we should be oaks of righteousness, that we should be rebuilders of the ruined, devastate, the ruined cities, the devastations that have taken many generations to take, to take place. And that, and that, and that um, as we are restored to our role of returning glory to God, and we live so towards God and so towards each other, and, 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 and grasp again um, the vocation that is ours in Adam that we lost and that is returned to us in Jesus, um, that we shall be clothed. That, so the, the, the one that the Lord is sending will be clothed with the garments of salvation. The garments of salvation are the garments of the priest. The great Orthodox theologian Alexander Schneemann has said, the reason why some people are ordained to be a priest is not because some people are more holy than other people, it's so that all people will remember their priestly vocation, which is to offer to God praise, worship, and adoration, and to lead people in love and service. God is sending his one who will be the true priest, and the true priest is the one who is making us into a priestly people and putting the garments of salvation on, clothing us with, with the robes of a priest so that we can lead the nation to people that don't know God in the praise and worship of God and in righteousness and God's living. Hard to see that this is happening sometimes. Hard to know what to make of the wars and the rumors of wars and the struggle and strife that's in the world. But God is at work. He's working his purposes out. Sometimes we glimpse it. Sometimes it's in secret. But you know, um, you plant a seed in the ground in the spring, and it's amazing that it comes up. And God will, God, God's word does not return to him empty, it accomplishes that which he proposes, and his righteousness will spring up. It's meant in you and I. It's meant in our church, in this cathedral. Stir up your power, O Lord, with great might, come among us, and complete the work that you've begun. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.